Welcome to Awesome Movie Year, the podcast where we look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. My name is Josh Bell, film critic and writer, and I am joined by... I'm Jason Harris, filmmaker, comedian, human buzzsaw. <laughs> and this is the premiere of our second season. So this is exciting that we made it to a second season. Hooray. Thanks, everybody, for listening, for giving us the feedback, for voting on our Audience Choice Awards, uh, which is really an award, not an award at all. Just a one episode where if you voted and your movie got the most votes, we did a podcast about it. in a way it's a punishment. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> think it's a, an, an award for anyone to get a podcast from Awesome Movie Year. No, no, so far. No, but keep keep that feedback coming. You know, we love it. Yes. Keep those cards and letters coming in. <laughs> yeah, we that, appreciate it. All the dedications you want. Uh, we will give them to uh, forlorn lovers and mm. we will try to rectify the situations as only Casey Kasem used to do. Yeah. Maybe someone wants to propose on awesome movie year. If you want us to propose on your behalf, we'll do it. <laughs> we'll do it. You can choose Josh or me. Yeah. Also, I'm ordained, so I can actually, you know, marry you after. Wow, the proposal. maybe we can have a wedding on the. We're really like going far <laughs> away from the purpose of this podcast. Awesome wedding <laughs> yeah. year. So, <laughs> uh, so season two of Awesome Movie Year is about the movies of 2007. Yes, and season one, 1994, was one that I kind of pushed for very hard. I felt like it was maybe the first year that really kind of made me aware of wanting to be a filmmaker and you kind of felt it was a very influential year as well. Yeah. Yeah. We were the same age and I think both of us were discovering a lot of excitement about movies and really getting into uh, contemporary filmmakers and stuff like that in that year. Right. 2007. This was all, this was, this was you, Josh, you really wanted to do 2007. I did. I mean, I think because 2007 has this reputation among critics and film fans as the best year for movies of the last maybe 15 to 20 years. And we'll see as we go on if that uh, is the case, if we feel that way. Uh, some of the movies we're going to talk about definitely are not the best movies of 2007. And I think there's some that great movies that we may not get to. But um, in terms of recent years, this seemed like the clear choice for us to do. Let's get into it. So, uh, as before, the first episode of our season takes a look at the number one movie at the box office. And for 2007, we kind of had two different choices. Uh, we are going to talk about Spider-Man 3, which was the number one movie at the box office in North America. It was, however, number three at the worldwide box office behind the Pirates of the Caribbean and Harry Potter movies. And we didn't want to do those. So <laughs> good choice, guys. <laughs> Thank you, David Rosen, producer David Rosen of the Piecing It Together podcast. <laughs> what were you doing in 2007, Dave? Falling in love with movies all over again. I agree. This was like probably the best year in the last couple of decades. Well, I'm excited because I don't, you know, it didn't, it didn't, when you guys started talking about it, it didn't strike me as like, oh, that's the year we got to do. So uh, I'm excited to get into it. And See if we can convince you. Yes. <laughs> this whole season will be a personal journey yeah. of where I started. And if, as if my character has had an arc yeah. of being convinced that this was the best movie year of the last 15 years. Okay. Well, we'll see if Spider-Man 3 convinces you. My guess is that it will not. Um, but it did convince a lot of 
fans, I guess you could say. Uh, it, it grossed $336 million in North America and topped the box office and $891 million worldwide. So, you know, a lot of money, uh, even if it didn't uh, quite beat out Harry Potter and Pirates of the Caribbean worldwide. And even if 2007 is a great year for movies overall, it's still in the thick of where we still are, where the m- movies that are the biggest movies at the box office are just franchises. And maybe this was a seminal year of the uh, franchise, you know, summer film. This was one of the big years where it's all tentpole movies. That's yeah. all I got. Yeah, that's no, I- that's true. I think that's true. <laughs> you, at the box office and, and what, what came out uh, over the summer. Uh, but Spider-Man 3, despite making all that money, was not super well-received by critics uh, or even fans. It got a 63% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which is marginally positive, but is not that good. Um, and a B-plus cinema score, which is the audience polling service, which is pretty good. But for movies that are big blockbuster entertainment that people love, even a B-plus is a little low. Um, you sound like my dad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm did just you, kidding. Did you get any B pluses, Jason? I got or, some B pluses. Yeah, when, you, a... when you copied from me, what what do you think I got? What do you think my <laughs> no, GPA no, was? No, maybe uh... maybe a B minus. No, come on, dude. I got a lot of A's. I got All a right. scholarship to college that I lost, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I graduated college early. I I have a natural intelligence, just a uh, yeah. lack of work ethic. Right. I I wasn't commenting on your natural so. intelligence more the the second part. Yeah. No, I got a lot of A's, and then on the stuff I didn't care about, I didn't get A's. No, my and my dad was cool about it. Uh, so that was a joke, Dad. Don't hit yeah. me with the garden hose like the <laughs> old is, days. That is listening. not a joke, Dad. I remember. Okay, that's so Spider-Man Three got a B plus. Let's let's hear some reviews. Uh, Roger Ebert said Spider-Man Three is in short a mess. Too many villains. Too many pale plot strands. Too many romantic misunderstandings, too many conversations, too many street crowds looking high into the air and shouting, ooh, this way, then swiveling and shouting, ah, that way. And saints deliver us from another dinner date like the one where Peter plans to propose to Mary Jane. That's Peter Parker, played by Tobey Maguire, and his love interest, Mary Jane, played by Kirsten Dunst. As as we have learned from season one, this podcast, if nothing else, gives me a greater appreciation for Roger Ebert. He nails it a lot more often than most other critics. Have. Yeah, he does. And he has a great way of expressing himself. Uh, and he was not a fan of this movie, although he loved it. He, he notes elsewhere in his review how much he loved the previous two Spider-Man movies from director Sam Raimi. And I think that was a common response to this movie that people really liked the first two and were let down by this one even more so because they liked those other ones so much. Some local uh, connection for you. Mike D'Angelo in Las Vegas Weekly said, uh, whoever coined the expression third times the charm has clearly never experienced the inevitable decline of a Hollywood action franchise. No matter how impressive a series two first entries and Sam Raimi's previous uh, Spider-Man pictures clearly rank among the finest examples of cinema gargantua ever produced, the third effort will find its charm reserves thoroughly depleted and inspiration gradually devolving into desperation. By now, all novelty has worn off. Characterizations flimsy to begin with in this genre have begun to calcify. Um, do you think all third movies are bad? We were just talking no. before we started about fourth movies. Dude, Lord of the Rings. Come on. That's, yeah. that's The third one might be the best of the bunch, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that maybe is a little different because that's a whole like 
they thing that they it filmed all it all at once. Yeah, yeah, it's just one big story kind of divided into three parts. Yeah, and like you said before we got on the air, we were trying to figure out the best fourth movie of a franchise ever. If anyone has any uh, feedback, please let us know <laughs> on uh, any of our socials, Awesome Movie Year or Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter. But uh, I, th- I mean, you know, like Avengers, the third one's good, right? So- yeah, the third Avengers would be Infinity War. Toy Story 3, that's a good one. Toy Story 3 is great. Yeah. Uh, you know, even Return of the Jedi, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Not Solid. as good as the second one, but pretty good. I got a good four for you guys. Yeah. That is totally off topic, but uh, Mission Impossible, uh, Ghost Protocol. Oh, yeah. That's a great movie. Yeah, and it, they're just getting better again. Hell yeah, they are. Yeah. I, I, I might say that those Mission Impossible movies kind of peaked at that fourth one. I think they've been repeating themselves a little bit. That is way off topic. Yeah, yes, when you is. do awesome Mission Impossible year, then you can talk about. I that. think that that you're a huge Mission Impossible fan. That seems like a podcast. I did about. the last one especially. Yes, so. uh, but we'll, we may we may get to Mission Impossible one of these years. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, Mission Impossible two is definitely the uh, box office champ of its year. So, oh yeah, uh, that's just and a, then that's probably the worst of the series actually. Yeah. So this has been awesome movie year. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about? We're talking about Spider-Man 3. Right. Uh, one more review for you, a more positive, because there it did get a lot of positive reviews. They were mixed, but a lot of people did like it, uh, including Wesley Morris in the Boston Globe, who said, under the playful yet perceptive direction of Sam Raimi, Spider-Man has always been about the, its character's psychological and emotional tribulations. And he's talking about the, the sort of controversial Peter Parker dance sequence. Uh, And he says, uh, but this sequence feels fresh because it's a real release. The rest of Spider-Man 3 is an intricately plotted saga, which takes our hero from adolescence to adulthood. After six years, the franchise may be familiar and lucrative, yet it hasn't curdled into a burdensome series of one zeros and dollar signs. So he felt like it still had personality. Well, and there's, you know, I mean, you could be referring to two dance sequences from Peter Parker. In that is true. I believe he's referring to the one on the, the street where I he's given so. the finger guns. Yeah, where they, they they bring it up in the Spider-Verse, the, the, the yes, animated Yes, that's true. That's true. We don't talk about it much. In <laughs> I didn't mind that part of this. Yeah, I think uh, it's interesting that he's talking about here uh, whether it's become just sort of this assembly line product. And I think whether you like this movie or not, you can't deny that it is Sam Raimi doing his own thing with Spider-Man. And that's something that, especially in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, directors don't get to do much anymore. There's just so much, I think, when we get to the legacy of like what came after and where it is now, you know. And I mean, uh, this, the first Spider-Man, I think, was the first modern superhero blockbuster that I remember being like, Oh, this is an appointment. This is an appointment to get right. To, so. Right. I mean, the first X Men came two years earlier, and I think that to me was like the first one where it seemed like a huge deal. I mean, maybe it was for me because I was a big X Men fan and not as much a Spider Man fan. But I mean, that movie obviously was a huge success um, and kind of kicked off the modern era. But certainly, the Spider Man movie in two thousand two, I think, is when the first one came out. Right. Do you remember, see, this was 2007, as we said, do you, yeah. did you see this one in the theater? Or? I, uh, I did, yeah. And actually, as we get through this uh, season, my answer on a lot of these is probably going to be the same because I was working as a film critic uh, during this year. So I saw this at a press screening, um, although I did not write the review for Las Vegas Weekly. Mike D'Angelo did. Damn you, Mike D'Angelo. Sick burns in there, no. D'Angelo. Yeah, he, uh, he's, a, he's a very good critic and writer. Um, 
But I did see it at press screening. And I think by the time I saw it, even before opening, it had already been kind of poorly reviewed. And I went in thinking, oh, this is going to be a disappointment. I loved the previous Spider-Man movies and I'm not going to be into this. And I remember coming out of it thinking, you know what? That was all right. Uh, so I was a little more positive at the time than a lot of other critics were. Did you see this when it came out? Uh, yes, I think, right? <laughs> uh, upon watching it again, like I'm like, yeah, this seems familiar. This seems like I must have seen it before. But, but I don't remember any of it, uh, or I didn't really remember any of it in the theater, right? I mean, but I know I saw it. And then even after I watched it in preparation for this, I literally had to go back again to like not watch it again, but to like do research and be like, wait a second, when did he rescue Gwen Stacy in this movie? Right. There's a lot of forgettable stuff in here. There is. And that's not always the fault of the film. It's just that it's so like we are so beaten down by this genre now that unless you do something amazingly spectacular, you know, then it's it's tough to remember a lot of things. Right. But weirdly enough, I think in 2007, when this movie came out, it was more kind of its own. Like now we get so many superhero movies every year. And I'm, I don't know for sure if this was the only superhero movie of 2007. Uh, it may not have been. Ratatouille. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if it wasn't, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm sure when, when all the Christopher Nolan Batman movies were out uh, or if there was an X-Men movie from this year. Um, but this was before the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Iron Man didn't come out until the next year. I know that. So this was more, had more room to breathe, I guess I'm saying, as a superhero movie uh, than the ones that we have now. But we're, you were still feeling sort of the fatigue of too many superhero movies. definitely. Go ahead, Dave. Oh, no, I was going to say there was a Fantastic Four this year. Ooh, yeah. That's so that the Michael Chiklis. Chiklis, yeah. The, the first or the second one? Jessica uh, Alba. Rise of the Silver Surfer. Oh, yeah, was that, that the was the one? second one. Yeah, yeah, which I've never seen, actually. Uh, me neither. Looks yeah, like, we're, look we, terrible. Spoiler, we're not getting to that in our <laughs> podcast on 2007. I, I was fatigued by this. And I mean, I guess, you know, in the next segment, when we talk about what we think about it, we can get deeper into right. why. But right. it's just a lot of it is uh, mashing things together and paint by numbers. And it's just, it just becomes too much. Yeah. Well, I guess what I'm wondering is like in 2007, did you feel like, ugh, another superhero movie? Well, I don't, I think it must've been more disappointment if I don't remember it upon <laughs> watching it. Right. Right. Like, I must've just been like, blah, right. You know, this is not nearly as good as the first two, which, you know, as you said, universally beloved. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen, you know, I obviously watched this one again uh, in preparation here, but I haven't seen the first two in a while. I remember the second one, especially still, I, I would think of as like one of the best superhero movies ever made. And I don't know if I would feel that way watching it again now, but at the time it was just almost perfect. To speak to superhero fatigue, there was also a Ghost Rider movie this year. Oh man! Also, yeah. not is that the first one or the second one? First one. Okay, yeah. which wasn't as bad. I mean, it was fun in a Nicolas Cage way. You love Nicolas Cage. That's I know, true. I love yeah, Nicolas Dave Cage, loves so. Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that was the first one. That wasn't the one that that Neville Dean and Taylor directed. I think they did the second one, uh, the Crank Guys. But yeah. yeah, it was it was for it was definitely forgettable. I think sure. both that and the Fantastic Four movie were forgettable. But you're the point is made. Like you had to 
dig deep to find two other superhero movies. Right. It wasn't as prevalent now. And that Ghost Rider movie was like a low budget superhero thing that was kind of tossed off. Yeah, but I, I I personally, like, I love, I think I was probably still in my phase of, like, excitement about the fact that there were all these superhero movies being made, and I'd read comic books for decades, and it was cool that this was something that people were doing. I, at this point now, I'm certainly, I could go a decade without any superhero movies and be happy, but I think back then I was probably still happy that there were superhero movies. Yeah, I got to the point, like, very early on, especially when uh, that superhero, the Superman came out. Uh, the Brian Singer film? Yeah. yeah. With, uh, with uh, Brandon Routh. Macy. Yeah. Brandon Routh. Really, a lot of deep diving. <laughs> a lot, a lot of there. problematic <laughs> stuff in it. Not Brandon Routh. No, no, no. Yeah, Brandon so, Routh seems, yeah. seems wonderful. But, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, just when that came out, it, everything became so formulaic. I just got so sick of the genre, literally probably until Logan came out, which was a really dark piece and tried to reset that and Deadpool, I think, were the two that tried to reset the genre, Yeah, Um, you know, through comedy and through the fact that uh, your heroes are going to die and not always in a heroic way and everything. Um, So I was pretty sick of it until then. And now I'm just kind of iffy on the genre. Like, you know, I I see everything, but right. like, bleh, whatever. Right. Yeah. I mean, we can talk about this more maybe with the legacy of it. But in terms of the the, the period at that moment, I think I was. I mean, and that may be one reason why it was disappointing to think that this movie might not be as good because it was still a big deal. Like, oh, cool. Another superhero movie. And I want them all to be good. Well, not just that, because it's uh, the Sam Raimi film. You know, this film had already had a release date before they went into production on Spider-Man 2, right? Right. So they were already planning Spider-Man 4 and 5. Yeah. So we had already heard these rumors about, you know, who might be in it. Malkovich, Anne Hathaway, the right. Vulture stuff, right? right. And, uh, and and Bruce Campbell, they were going to up his character, right? Yeah, D- be- Dylan Baker, also his character. Right. Um, so there was just a lot of potential for the Spider-Man universe at that point in time. And then after those first two just blew everyone away, like you think like, okay, we're on the the fast train to five fantastic films. And then this kind of derailed all of that. But let's talk about that in our next segment. Yes, we'll come right back and give you our general thoughts on Spider-Man 3. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year. In the first episode of our season on 2007, we're talking about the biggest movie at the box office, Spider-Man 3, which Jason Harris, I think you didn't really care for. I didn't love. uh, I didn't hate it. It's just so blasé to me, you know? Like, there's nothing. I kept, like, writing down set pieces they're like, oh, well, maybe this is good. You know, where he rescues Gwen Stacy from the, the crane. Gir- yeah, yeah, the crane. And then yeah. Mary Jane falls on the girder, right? Yeah. The action stuff is good. I actually didn't even get to the point where I was like bored with it until really towards the end of Act Two and Act Three, it all just falls apart. And all those criticisms are valid. They're, first of all, the villains are not very, om- you know, ominous or, you know, they're not. Yeah, there's definitely too many of them. And they were yeah. sort of put in the movie for different reasons. Right. Uh, You know, you've got James Franco, who's been having this arc built over the course of the previous movies, and he's going to become the new Green Goblin after his father has been killed. Right. So he's got the whole history, 
And then you've got the Sandman, who I think was the villain that Raimi really wanted. And then we've got Venom, who was put in at the order of the studio, and they just clash. It's so strange because all those actors, you know, uh, James Franco, Thomas Hayden Church, and Topher Grace. I yeah. like all those actors. Yeah. They're all so boring in this film, you know? They are. They are. Thomas Hayden Church, this is a funny, this was like a moment. After when, Sideways. Right, right, when it was yeah. like, he's a movie star. And then yeah. we quickly realized that he was not. And he was, to me, the most interesting of the three. Um, I feel like James Franco slept through this performance. Which is a common thing for James Franco to do. <laughs> yeah, but he's so good when he wants to be, right? Yeah. And then... Topher Grace, man, that might be the least menacing villain of all time. I didn't see Venom with Tom Hardy, but this made me want to see it just to wash the taste out of my mouth. Of yeah, Topher Grace. yeah, yeah. I think Topher, especially recently, Topher Grace has really proven himself to have a lot of chops and playing kind of odious, obnoxious people. I mean, obviously, when he plays David Duke in Black Klansman, I mean, he's really good in that part. Um, and this is, I mean obviously not David Duke, but a similarly like a character who is really slimy and just so convinced of his own importance that he'll just screw over anybody to get where he's supposed to I be. I think you're onto something, though, with the next Spider-Man after <laughs> that, that. David Duke should be the villain yeah, in the next the Spider-Man movie. Yeah, after the Far From Home, you know, <laughs> Tom Holland in the next one should fight a bunch of Ku Klux Klan, David Duke run, you know, uh, mercenaries, and Topher Grace can get his... His uh, redemption? Yeah, as a Spider-Man villain. Yeah. He really is not good at Venom. You know, no, he's no, not. he's not. I think he's fine as like the the like dickhead yeah, rival to the photographer who's trying to beat out Peter Parker. Uh, but yeah, as Venom, he's not. And Venom, he doesn't even become Venom until so late in the movie, which I think speaks to the fact that Raimi was not interested in Venom at all. It was a wasted character, for sure. Uh, the Sandman, you know, where he becomes sand and can kind of overpower things that was that kind of reminded me of the uh, john woo incredible hulk villain with uh ang lee incredible hulk yeah that that was bad so, <laughs> uh john woo face off i like face off so yeah and mission impossible yeah. too we were just yeah, talking i was angry my bad bro yeah. uh <laughs> angry um incredible hulk villain what was nick nolte right yeah was he the absorbing man no not the absorbing man he was just like in space like in like you know, molecularly exploding all the right. time. Yeah. And yeah. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Maybe I didn't copy enough of your science homework because <laughs> I didn't understand that. And I, I really didn't kind of figure out, you know, how this Sandman character worked. And, uh, you know, all I knew is if you threw water on him, that he would cry and go bye-bye. Yeah. But then he eventually recovered from that uh, as well. But yeah, I mean, I don't think that he works. Like, it's comic book science. There's no actual science to it. You, you, it's a mistake to try and think that there is. But yeah, it certainly has that kind of hand-waving, like, oh, he's in this particle accelerator thing with some sand, and now he's... But that's the way it is in the comics, too. And I think if you cared more about him as a character, you wouldn't worry about whether the origin made a ton of sense. You would be interested in his arc and in his motivations and wanting to get back to his daughter and all the stuff they do for him, which I didn't really, I didn't really feel it. I mean, I think as much as Topher Grace is not very good at Venom as, as, as Venom, I thought the character of Eddie Brock and his connection to Peter Parker and being his rival had a much stronger characterization and tied in much better with Peter Parker 
than the Sandman who they have to like redo some old backstory in order to make him matter. Right. They make him shoot Uncle Ben. Which I thought was really cheap and really kind of uh, undermines a lot of what happened in the first movie to get Peter Parker his origin. And it's so iconic to then go mess with it, I thought was really to just for the sake of this second rate villain. That's what I mean. They're just trying to put too much in here. And, you know, they're sacrificing uh, some points from the world that they've already built. And really, I mean, the real battles here are the characters versus themselves, right? Because it's Peter Parker, uh, this bastion of good, and he he shows a different side of himself. And man, Mary Jane, she is not a likable character in this one at all. She is uh, she is the most insecure actress type that that there is. Having dated a few insecure actresses, <laughs> and uh, you know, are having- you Spider Man? No, but I've been an insecure actress before. (laughs) You know, like, I mean, there, you know, she, she gets, she's on Broadway. And like the first thing she asks Peter is, was I great? You know, do you love me? She keeps asking him. And at one point when he's trying to uh, empathize with her, which, you know, I get it. Her, she's upset that he makes it about him, but she, she says like, this isn't about you. It's about me. And I'm like, who am I supposed to like in this scene? You know? Right. Well, he's not very likable in those interactions either. Right. But our, but I think we're not supposed to like him in those. Correct. That's true. Yeah. The arc of him is becoming sort of unlikable and then realizing he's become unlikable and having to redeem himself. But yeah, she doesn't have much of an arc. And I, I didn't think she was as unlikable as you thought. I did just feel like it was a bit of a shame that her whole function in this movie is to just be reactive to him and that she doesn't really get much as a character and and again it's been a while since i saw those first two movies but i remembered her being more of a more of a substantial character yeah and also a little more lighthearted, a little more fun and everything yeah yeah um i and i like kirsten dunst a lot i think i always liked her in this role but yeah i i think it's it's not as much for me that they made her unlikable as just they seem to not really know where to take her as a character. And then they have the, it's not even really a love triangle with, you know, uh, her and him and Gwen Stacy uh, with a very young Bryce Dallas Howard. She looks so young in yeah, this film. Yeah. And, you know, at one point MJ breaks up with Peter Parker. So, and she's working at this jazz club and Peter, brings uh, Gwen Stacy into the jazz club and she's just like, oh, your ex-girlfriend's here. All right. I have no problem with this if you don't, right? Like, well, eventually when she realizes that the reason that they're there is because MJ is there and he does his whole uh, dance bit, she gets upset about it. But yeah, she's she's even less of a character than than MJ is. It took a really long time for her to get to that point where she like stood up and was like, I can't believe you did this. Right, right. Uh, So that was a waste. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I just think there were so many things that that just didn't work in this film that that the things that you want to like, which are those big action sequences more than anything else, just they become less meaningful. Right, yeah. And even if they're well done from a technical standpoint, if you don't care about whether he defeats these guys or not, or what's at stake, then yeah, then you can't get into them. I I did think there were some impressive ones. The one you mentioned where he uh, rescues Gwen from the crane was really cool. Uh, The finale is pretty good, although it does also suffer from too many villains in too many different places and trying to figure out where everyone 
is in relation to each other. Uh, and to go back to what you were saying about Gwen Stacy, she is such an iconic character from the comics. And I think people were waiting for what are they going to do with yeah. her? And and they just make her into this nothing of a character. Right. And she's great in, again, the Spider-Verse were the animated film. You yeah. Know, she's and got a good meaning in there. Even in the much uh, maligned Andrew Garfield films where she's played by Emma Stone, she's a much better character. Well, I choose not to remember those things. So. <laughs> no, that's fair. And there's a lot wrong with those movies. But I feel like Emma Stone's portrayal of Gwen Stacy is one of the things that, that mo those movies actually do well. Yeah, we, lo we love Emma Stone. Yes. But, um, you know, there were certain things in here that, like, he's doing, like, he's going to propose to MJ, right? And he's, like, doing it in the mirror, right, to himself. Like, come on, dude. How tired of a trope is that? Like, does anyone ever done anything like that like hey, when you want to ask someone out like right. you really talk to yourself in the mirror uh, i'm sure some people do i think in this movie's defense that some of the things in this movie that seem hokey and cheesy and maybe played out are deliberately done uh whether you think it works or not i think Raimi is deliberately trying to evoke kind of the 60s goofiness of Spider-Man comic books. Yeah, and sometimes that didn't work for me, as in the Peter Parker, Harry fight at his at Harry's mansion, and there's like this kind of jazzy music in the background, and you're almost waiting for them to break out into a dance number together. Yeah. Just, uh, just, I don't know, man. This one just got away from him. I no, I agree, but I think there are certain things that I was watching in this movie and thinking, this is so awkward, and then... Because this kind of goes back to what I was saying before about whether you think this movie works or not. This movie is full of Sam Raimi just doing the stuff that he wanted to do. And it's kind of weird and awkward. And it's the kind of thing that you probably wouldn't get in a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie because there's 18 million producers who would veto it. Yeah, now there is a very rigid form that they're following. A few other things. I thought this was maybe the lamest Stanley cameo that we've ever had. Oh yeah, I mean we'd have to really delve deeply into that, but it was a pretty weak Stanley. Yeah, cameo. he just shows up and he, they're watching Spider Man on Times Square, and he's like, "Ah, see, some people are good, or something like it's that." Not, it is possible to make a difference, or something. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Um, now, Josh, did yes. you when uh, Spider Man when Peter Parker had the basketball? In your mind, did that remind you of the time that I played basketball against Tobey Maguire? Because that's what it reminded me of. I just <laughs> wanted you, to mention did that. Did you do that when you lived in L.A.? Yeah, I was. I was. Uh, this was when I was in shape and I could bang under the rim. And it was me and Tobey Maguire and Kevin Connolly from uh, Entourage. And uh, and I think Jay Ferguson, the, uh, mm, the sitcom yeah. dad, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, was on Mad Men. Yeah, yeah, I was I was. I was, I handled myself. I did really well in the, yeah. Tobey Maguire had a bad back, uh, even at that time. Oh yeah, that was, I think, was production on this movie delayed, or maybe it was the second Spider-Man, because he had back problems. Maybe, because I took it to him so Yeah, it was the, your fault. Yeah. The downfall of Spider-Man started with you on the basketball court with Tobey Maguire. And you're welcome, everybody. <laughs> because, as we'll find out in the next segment, the legacy and where Spider-Man is now is in a pretty good place, I'd say. Yeah. Um, so we'll just, I want to, did you like anything about this movie? Yeah, I mean, there were some cool things. Some of the effects, like I said, the action sequences. I liked when uh, Spider-Man uh, took the Sandman's face against the train and like shaved yeah. it off. Right? Yeah. So. Yeah, there's some special effects. I mean, 
not all the special effects look as good as they would now, but I thought the Sandman effects were pretty impressive still. Yeah, there were 900 new visual effects that had to be created on a new computer program I had read that didn't exist. I'll right. tell you what else I liked. I mean, obviously we all like J.K. Simmons. Right, know. I was going to mention J.K. Simmons. Man, you know who really makes the most of her screen time? Elizabeth Banks. That is true, yeah. She's so good and she's so funny and, you know, so flirty. And she's so campy and you want that in this. Right, and, right. You know, there's that moment where she and uh, Peter almost kiss and J.K. Simmons goes, that's not the position I hired you for. Right. That's great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's. I think that is when the kind of campy, cheesy, 60s comic style stuff works. When it's that zippy banter and J.K. Simmons is so good yeah. and so entertaining as J. Jonah Jameson, as he was in all three of the movies in this series. Um, and yeah, I think, I don't know if Elizabeth Banks was particularly well known when she made this movie. I'm guessing not. I remember like just when I was watching the opening credits and they get to her name so far down, I thought, wow, she's really not famous at this point. She wasn't because as, uh, we'll find out later in the season in our audience choice awards, um, or our (laughs) audience choice film, which is all about Judd Apatow comedies, right? One of those, uh, that was not on this list, but was from his earlier film was a 40-year-old virgin, right? Yeah. His first movie. And that, that was, was her really... big breakout, yeah. you know? And that was only like a year or two before. Okay, yeah. So by the time she was doing this, like, I think people were like, oh, she's that funny lady from 40-year-old right. virgin. But we didn't know just how much, you know, how many bullets she had in the holster, <laughs> so to speak. She's so right. good. She's so great in this. I she, wanted to see more of her. She is. I, I totally agree with you. And I think it's funny because, of course, now she's a much bigger star than a lot of the stars of this movie. Um, but yeah, I liked her. I liked her dynamic with J.K. Simmons and a bit with Peter Parker. I did think there were some good special effects in this movie. Um, I thought somewhere underneath the character arc between of the friendship between Peter and Harry, there's something good there. That to me was the one character arc because it was building throughout the whole trilogy that sort of worked in this movie. More so than Peter becoming a dick, more so than his problems with MJ. I thought that had something to it. And I thought they could have done more with Peter becoming a dick because if you are a superhero and you're, whether you're just a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man or you have to save the whole universe, you can see how that could go to your head and it would sure. uh, have personal effects on you. Yeah, and they don't really explore that. They kind of write it all off as the Venom alien thingy controlling his mind. And as soon as he gets rid of that, He's immediately back to being a nice guy. Uh, Although I did like that they didn't just get him back together with MJ at the end. She didn't necessarily forgive him for everything. They they have kind of an ambiguous like opening to that possibility uh, at the end of this movie, but they don't wrap it all up neatly, presumably because they were planning more movies. But even without those extra movies, I feel like it's a nice way to end their story and not just have it seem like this super happy ending there were some things that i were was reading about it the creative marketing that was done in new york city did you read about any no there was a spider exhibit at the american museum of natural history workshops on baby spider plants at the new york botanical garden so like the whole city got involved green goblin mask making workshops at the children's museum of manhattan and a scavenger hunt and bug show at central park so i like that kind of localized marketing to build yeah um, an audience. It was uh, averaged thirty five thousand five hundred and forty dollars per theater, which was the highest at the time. Do you know what beat it? Uh, something terrible. 
I'm going to guess. Hannah Montana and Miley Cyrus, <laughs> best of both worlds concert. <laughs> wow. And the only other thing that I found was weird was that uh, James Vanderbilt, one of the screenwriters on this, um, you know, this was the least successful critically of the three. Yeah. And then he went on to write the two amazing Spider-Mans uh, you know, with Andrew Garfield. I was surprised he got those gigs. Well, I think Sony wanted to continue, despite the fact that this movie was the least successful critically, it made a lot of money, as we've been talking about. And I think Sony wanted to continue in that vein and would have, and we can talk about this uh, in a moment, but they would have continued with Sam Raimi if he hadn't decided to leave. So getting the screenwriter to stay on board makes sense to me. And Raimi in the press said that he only left because he didn't think he could make the release date. Right. And it seems like maybe there'd be a little more to that on both sides of the... Yeah, well, there was a lot of creative uh, turmoil there. And for this one, too. And I think Raimi has said in interviews about this one that he didn't feel like he quite nailed it. Um, so he's he's with a lot of the people who were disappointed in this movie. He did call it awful on a podcast. <laughs> there you go. Not on our podcast, though. Uh, awesome Raimi year. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that is... I'm trying to think of something else that I can say that was positive about this movie because I didn't hate it. And I think, like I was saying before, in 2007, I came out of the theater thinking, oh, that was all right, being mildly positive. And going into it this time, I thought, oh, I remember I kind of liked this and I didn't like it as much this time. You know, the thing is, like, I don't like where you have to show someone's a bad guy when they do something completely out of character, even if they have a lycra bug suit that makes <laughs> their mind go crazy like uh, Peter Parker hits MJ, right? In that one sequence. Yeah. And we have no history that he would ever do such a thing. I Things like that bother me. You know? Right. And that bothered me too, because that's something that it's hard to forgive a character for doing. And it's hard to buy into another character to forgive him for doing it. So, and that was part of why I liked the ending where she doesn't just say, okay, everything's fine that you imagine that it's going to take a lot of work for him to really get her back. Um, but that does seem like something that would be unforgivable. And especially if this movie came out now, I think people would just not accept that moment at all. Well, I didn't even accept it. Yeah. Well, you, that was... you, were, you were ahead of your time. Yeah, that's right. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we're here for you. Thank you. Dave, did you like this movie? When you um, saw it, did you see it in 2007? I did see it in 2007. Did you see it in preparation for season two of Awesome Movie? He saw it in 2007 in <laughs> preparation for this podcast. For today, yeah. literally this day. Um, I, I thought it was all right. I, I didn't love it. Um, I was one of the rare uh, uh, supporters of Topher Grace. I actually kind of liked him in this role. Um, more so as the, what's his name, Eddie... Brock. Eddie Brock. Yeah, more so as that than actually once Venom stuff started happening. But I actually always thought he was fun in the role. I mean, I don't, you know, I obviously haven't seen it in a long time. I don't know if I would still feel the same way, but I remember I was like the only person trying to uh, defend him. Well, I think I agree with you that he is good as Eddie Brock, um, as I was saying. I agree with that. But when they brought up Venom, I think it was a studio executive or, oh, no, I was reading about the sound the soundtrack, right? Which yeah. is... Which is which is highly regarded. Yeah, the and, music is very good. Yeah, and um, the way they describe Venom because yeah, they had to write the Venom theme was 
They wanted him to be the devil personified. Oh yeah, he's definitely not <laughs> yeah, that. You don't, you don't, you don't hire Topher Grace to be the devil. Personified. I mean, honestly, I think uh, of all the superhero villains that I've ever seen, he might be the biggest pussy of them all. Like, <laughs> he's really a weak villain. I'm, he is I'm a he is think. a weak villain. He is he is. So Jason, out of five spider webs, how would you rate Spider Man three? I thought you were going to say out of five made shots because that might be how many I made against Tobey Maguire in our legendary basketball game but uh you said spiderweb so we'll have to go with that uh two and a half two and a half this uh, this one just didn't do it for me man. yeah i kind of agree i think i gave it three out of five when i first saw it in 2007 um but i i did sour a little on it so i think two and a half is right it's not a terrible movie it just is a disappointing one. You know when you, uh, well, you don't, you don't really like food as like from a pleasure standpoint. Nah, I don't like food. But it's like when you start off with a, a meal and you're like, hey, this meals good, this meals good, and then you start to get to like the the uh, maybe the dessert and, and the dessert's not good, and that's the last thing you remember. This is like the second half of the main course plus the dessert uh, wasn't that good. So I just, uh, you know, I tolerated the first half. I enjoyed the first half, and then it was like. Now I want to go eat somewhere else. Yeah, it leaves you in a in not a not a great place. So we'll come back in a moment and we will talk about the legacy of Spider-Man 3. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year. In our first episode of our season on the films of 2007, we're talking about the box office champion Spider-Man 3 of North America of North America not worldwide yes we did not want to watch the 18-hour Pirates of the Caribbean 3 whichever I at at World's End no maybe that was the fourth one and I, I refuse to watch any Harry Potter film until he comes out of the closet that uh, I want you to be happy Harry that was a that was an out of nowhere uh, where, where did you get that about Harry Potter I, I watched one of the films and I thought you watched one clear. Harry Potter film <laughs> that this gentleman needs a little pride. Uh, all right. Well, we'll uh, we'll table that discussion. But because uh, <laughs> that was number two. Yeah, that was number two worldwide. That's true. Um, you know who I bet could get him to come out of the closet? Captain Jack Sparrow. That's a crossover we do not need. <laughs> Definitely not. Please. <laughs> so Spider-Man Three, uh, as we talked about a little bit. Uh, Initially, and it was interesting looking up reviews for this to, to quote, and so many of the reviews mention the inevitability of another movie in this series. Everyone just assumed, even if they thought this movie wasn't very good, that there would be another one. And of course, there were supposed to be two more uh, directed by Sam Raimi featuring this cast, and that did not happen. Yeah. And isn't that a shame after those two hunks of shit, the amazing Spider-Man came out? Sorry for the language, but those movies are garbage piles, and I don't like them. Wow, okay. Yeah, I don't really like those movies either, but I, I don't feel quite as strongly toward them negatively as you do. They're freaking horrible. Uh-huh. And honestly, I feel like uh, they were they were just pure money grabs, you know? That is true, yeah. And I think Raimi, knowing that this was not his most successful effort, could have come out swinging, you know, for redemption and really knocked it out of the park. Andrew Garfield, who I like as an actor, not a good Spider-Man. No, he was a he was a poor choice. Although, although as I said before, I thought Emma Stone did a nice job, um, and they did have good romantic chemistry. Of course, they ended up having a real life romance, and um, 
that I think was one of the things that worked about those movies. Much like Captain Jack Sparrow and Harry Potter. That's really, <laughs> now I, you're just getting into a whole area that we really don't want to touch, I think. <laughs> but the good news is these new Spider-Mans, Homecoming and Far From Home. Yeah, very good movies. And Spider-Verse, maybe one of the great uh, superhero movies ever made, I feel like. Yeah, Spider-Verse, I like a lot. I think maybe not as much as you do, but uh, as you're saying, like, has tons of references to these Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, including to this one and to the, the infamous dance. dance sequence. Yeah. Yeah. Or they stay, they don't talk about it much. Right. You know, right. You know. And, and at one point they uh, considered trying to get Tobey Maguire to do the voice of that older Spider-Man character, the one that Chris Pine ended up, uh, or not, sorry, not Chris Pine, uh, Jake Johnson ended up voicing in, uh, that would have been cool. That would have been. Although I think what they ended up, what Lord and Miller ended up saying was that they felt like it would be too distracting, that it would overshadow what they were doing originally in the Miles Morales character, which I can understand. I think it would. I think it would have worked because that movie is just so strong. It would have, you know, and Lord and Miller have a history of referential uh, work. So, um, i.e. Every, everything in the that Lego they've done, movie, yeah. you know. But uh, I think it, I think it would have been great, you know. Yeah, I think it could have been fun. I mean, I think the movie works the way it is, and it it makes those references that are very obvious to anyone who's seen these Raimi films. But Jake Johnson was was great in that part. Yeah. Who uh, who do you think of all these Spider Man films are the best villains? You know, I think they've done a really good job with the villains in the new the Marvel Cinematic Universe ones. I thought Michael Keaton's Vulture was really good. And in the new film, Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio was very good. So as much as I like the Raimi films, I think those might be stronger villains in terms of being fully realized characters where you can really understand their motivations and sympathize with them. I'm going to say Vulture for sure, Michael Keaton. He's so just cold-blooded, man. He's so good. But uh, if I'm going back to these first three, man, Dr. Octopus is great. Alfred Molina really, really does the work. And um Sometimes you just want a villain who uh, just goes just goes all in on it, you yeah. know, and is willing to fail because they're willing to take such a big risk and go so big with the performance. And he's just that's Spider-Man too. Right. Awesome. Just yes, great. yeah. No, I agree, and I think that is a character that, unlike say the Michael Keaton Vulture character, it doesn't have a lot of depth, but which is what's good about Keaton's performance, but. It's a very entertaining, incredibly, like you said, over the top, but in a good way, in a really fun yeah. way, uh, character. Yeah. So, I mean, look, Spider-Man is, what, is he the new head of the Avengers? Is that where he's I, at right I now? I don't know, maybe. We're not, uh, Tom Holland does a good job. Yeah, I like Tom Holland, and he's certainly better than Andrew Garfield. Right, and then the Spider-Verse, we might get 17 different spinoffs with yeah, different spider Yeah, and, there, and there's so many Spider-related characters in the comic books at this point that they have a million options for the direction that they could take that in. So I guess the legacy of this film is even if you don't make a good Spider-Man, but you have a character that makes a lot of money, you can just keep making the movie. Well, right, of course. And this this movie made a lot of money and they would have made another one. What, what do you think about the prospects when they were talking about another Raimi film and they were talking about John Malkovich as the vulture and Anne Hathaway as the black cat? Would you have liked to see that? I think so. She, I remember she was great as Catwoman. She really was, yeah. And Malkovich, I mean, who doesn't want to see him do anything, right? You yeah. Know? So, um, and I, I do think those first two were so great that you kind of wanted the redemption of Sam Raimi here. And also 
those two characters because Tobey Maguire did an awesome job and Kirsten Dunst did an awesome job in the first two. And they this one just got led astray. You know, you give everyone a mulligan and let's yeah. come back for Spider-Man 4. Right. No, I agree. Although I think Raimi made the right choice in that they did multiple drafts of these this script and he never felt satisfied with it. And maybe the problem with Spider-Man 3 is that he went ahead, even though he wasn't satisfied with the script or the characters he was supposed to include. And if he had done that again, it wouldn't have been what you said and a chance to come back and redeem himself. It would have been another boondoggle. Right. We have to, we'd have to, uh, you know, have a perfect shot at it, much like I did on the court against Tobey <laughs> Maguire back in the day. Thank you for that. So what, what to me was also interesting was that not only did Sam Raimi and Tobey Maguire not come back to do another Spider-Man, but both of them kind of didn't do much. After Kirsten this. Dunst, too. She, yeah. She, where is she at? There. She's done a lot of TV. She was great on uh, Fargo. And I think she's got a new Showtime series that's about to start. That's good. I love all of them. Yeah. But I was just surprised. I just assumed, oh, yeah, Sam Raimi just kept working. He's only made two movies since then. Drag Me to Hell. Uh, Drag Me to Hell, which is great. Uh, was kind of a small scale film. And then he did the Oz movie, which was his next big blockbuster that was not successful and most people didn't care for. That was with Franco and with Zach Franco, Rapp. yeah. Franco's way better in that than he is in this. Yeah, and I actually kind of like that movie, even though people seem to I, I did it. too. I thought it was good. Yeah, but I mean, that was like six years ago, I think. And, and I mean, you know, they all have the money to retire, but it would be sure. great to see Tobey Maguire come back and do something. I couldn't even tell you the last thing. I yeah, saw well, him. he's been off. Uh, I, I actually read an interview with him not that long ago because he's done a lot of producing and they straight up asked him, are you going to ever be in a movie on screen again? Because I think his last one was in 2014 when he played the chess champion, uh, Pawn Sacrifice, which was a sort of boring biopic. And even between Spider-Man and that movie, um, I think he had one big role. The Great Gatsby was his only other big, high-profile, major blockbuster-type film that he did after this. And he answered that question at that time sort of ambiguously. I think he doesn't want to say definitively. But the fact that he didn't say, absolutely, I'm just looking for the right role and I can't wait to return, to me, indicates that he's not all that interested in acting anymore. I think... You know, uh, you're probably right, but also if the right one came along, he would he would jump into it. I hope I hope that he would, because I do like him. Um, another thing you mentioned, Tom Hardy as Venom, which became a huge success. So that was another kind of legacy of this movie is that Venom went on to become a weirdly popular character. Yeah, and that's a good example of a film that is critically and, and almost like audience-wide panned, but people love it in regards to what, you might want as a cult classic, something that's so bad that it's good. Yeah, I think, I mean, it made a lot of money. I think a lot of people must have just liked it on its face, which I don't get. It's a bad movie. And Tom Hardy, who can be very good, is not good as Venom. And is He's honestly- better than Topher Grace. I don't know that I would say that, to be perfect. That's how bad I thought that Venom movie was. What's your favorite Topher Grace film role? I think it would have to be Black Klansman. He's really good in that. Over Win a Date with Tad Hamilton? I have seen Win a Date with Tad <laughs> Hamilton, actually, and it was not that bad, but um, I can't recall specific details of it. At How the about Kirsten Dunst? Uh, I mean, she's honestly, in Interview with the Vampire, when she was like 12 years old, she's so good in that movie. She's great in everything. Yeah, she is really good. I mean, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Bring it on. Yeah, and I love Bring it on. Those are two of my favorite movies of all time right there, so I certainly am a big fan of Kirsten Dunst. And uh, Tobey Maguire, we love The Wonder Voice. Yes, I do love that movie. But Toby, like, I feel 
Tobey Maguire, his definitive role is Spider-Man. Peter Parker, is Spider-Man. Yeah. Well, what about Thomas Hayden Church, guys? <laughs> Lowell from Wings. N- is Ned, my Ned and Stacy. <laughs> Those are yeah. both us. We were going back to the sitcom. Right. No, Thomas Hayden Church is great in Sideways, but like I said, I think the idea that he was going to be this big movie star was a little ridiculous. I think had he drank wine in wine country and turned into a supervillain, maybe we have an interesting, more interesting film. Maybe. Weirdly enough, the two stars of Sideways both went on to become Spider-Man villains. Yeah, that's good. And it would be even better if they became Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> um, a couple other things I want to mention legacy-wise. J.K. Simmons, who we talked about before, who is great as J. Jonah Jameson, is now back. How great was that? That was so good in, in Spider-Man Far From Home to see him return and the MCU that really tries to set itself apart from those other movies, acknowledging the, their existence and how good he is. And now he's this right-wing conspiracy <laughs> Yeah, he's like the so Alex Jones of the Marvel perfect. Universe. Absolutely yeah. perfect. I didn't think they could make me like a right-wing conspiracy theorist, <laughs> but they did. J.K. Simmons can do anything. Um, and, and I also mentioned the idea that like this movie or not, it's very much Raimi's vision and that you don't get that in superhero movies anymore. I think at, between this trilogy and Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy, that was sort of the end of the studio giving these auteurs the chance to just do what they want. And now it's all very producer driven. And no matter who they hire as a director, these movies follow a very defined formula sure but maybe that's the new vision is through the producer it is but even even that vision is not personal it's it's more of a corporate vision i mean i don't know that you would look at the marvel universe movies and say kevin feig has a sort of personal stamp on them. no i'm trying to think i mean ant-man's a little different because it's so small and out there you know? yeah but in ant-man they fired the auteur director because he wanted to do too yeah. much of his own thing <laughs> that's, that's true, true. So I have no point to make. All right. Well, on that note, I think we can end our discussion of Spider-Man 3. Uh, That is this episode of Awesome Movie Year. And you can uh, check us out on social media. We're still the same social, guys. We won't leave you. Uh, Awesome Movie Year on Facebook and Instagram. Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter. I'm Jay Harris Comedy or Jason Harris Comedy on any of those three things and go for Jason on the internet.com in the internet.com <laughs> you go can, for Jason.com. You can find me at Josh bell hates everything.com at Josh bell hates everything on Facebook and at signal bleed on Twitter. And you can listen to our producer, David Rosen's awesome podcast, piecing it together. You can find us at piecingpod.com on Twitter at piecing pod and join our Facebook group, popcorn and puzzle pieces. And what's on tap for us next episode, Jason? Dude, we got really an awesome movie for awesome movie year. Talking about auteurs, right? Yeah. First feature, 2007, Gone Baby Gone, Ben Affleck. And uh, I'm excited to talk about it. I am too. And last season we had Kevin Smith as our first feature. And now we have Ben Affleck. We're just going through the viewers universe. <laughs> That's right. We can't wait till uh, Jason Scott Lee's first film. Yeah, that is something (laughs) (laughs) thank you for listening uh tune in for that next time thanks for listening to awesome movie thank you for listening to awesome movie year make sure to follow awesome movie year on facebook at awesome movie pod on twitter and at awesome movie year on instagram and if you like the show review us and rate us with five stars on apple podcasts
and All Points West. 